This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. What is the relationship between our hopes and dreams, the character and heart of God, and our faith in God's promises? Let's talk about that more in our message entitled, David's Messiah. What is the relationship between hope and God's promises and our faith in God's word and God's heart? As we explore together themes from the Old Testament and messianic expectation of a coming king, we want to again today assert that Jesus is our king and that he is the basis of our hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, speak to us from your word. Give to us a vivid picture of time and history and the plans that God has been unfolding throughout the time. Lord, give us faith to trust in you and fill us with hope. In your name we pray. Amen. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and I know that it's the spirit of the When David wanted to build God a house, here is the response that God gave through the prophet Nathan. We begin to read with Second Samuel 7, verse 8. Now therefore thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, 
I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be the ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who are on the earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again, nor will the wicked afflict them any more as formerly. Even from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the sons of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever, and your throne shall be established forever. Thus far we share God's word. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. i 
We know that King David was a man who pursued God's heart. God had anointed him from being a shepherd to become the king of God's people. David fought Goliath the giant and gained a tremendous victory for God. David was the one who brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem and made Jerusalem the spiritual capital of God's people. David, as king, gained victory over all the enemies around them. David was the one who showed his great humanity by a tremendous moral failure with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, and then had him murdered. But David also was the one who repented of his sins and asked the Lord to have mercy upon him. There was chaos in his house from that time forward, yet David is still remembered as a wonderful, powerful king in the history of God's people. Today I want us to understand the connection between King David and God's promise of a Messiah, a future king who would establish God's kingdom forever. That was their hope. And these words from 2 Samuel 7 are the seedbed of that messianic expectation. Hope is a precious commodity. It was Hal Lindsey who wrote, Man can live 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but not one second without hope. We need hope as we live our lives. We use this word hope differently, though. We might say, I hope our favorite baseball team wins the game, or I hope I catch fish when I go out on the lake. We might say, I hope it stops raining, or I hope for good weather for my crops that are growing. I hope that the price of corn goes up. I might look at my body and say, I hope I lose 20 pounds. The trouble is when I say that, the next sentence I might say, I hope we have pie for dessert with supper. I hope the stock market goes up. Or we might move from mundane hope to more profound things like, I hope North Korea denuclearizes. I hope the political leaders of the world find a way to make peace. I hope we can alleviate hunger. I hope we can break systemic poverty. Yet, when we use hope, even in the mundane or profound, we really have no direct control to determine our wishful thinking. Biblical hope is different. It's based on the character and the historic faithfulness and the promises of God himself. Here's what Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses never run out. God's mercy never fails. Great is God's faithfulness. 
the character of God, the promise of God, the historic faithfulness of God is the reason that we as God's people have hope. Talking about hope with that kind of backdrop, let's go back to dig out the precious nuggets of promise that God made to King David and his people in 2 Samuel 7. The Messiah literally was the anointed one, the deliverer, the ruler, the son of God who would come into the world to rescue God's people, the Savior. Think of it, in 2 Samuel 7, God promised that David and God's people Israel would be his people forever, that they would belong to him as his chosen people. It gave them their identity, Yahweh as their father and they as his people. There was a security in that. But secondly, God promised that his power would give them victory over all enemies that they would dominate, that they would reign over all the other nations, and that God would be a mighty warrior fighting on their behalf. Third, in Second Samuel 7, God promises that he would usher in an age of peace, of shalom, rest from their enemies, and beautiful harmony for God's people. Fourth, that God would provide them a place for their own, a land that he would guarantee they would be planted and rooted to live their lives. That's why Israel to this day knows that God has promised that the land of Israel will be theirs by God's promise. He also, fifth, promised them prosperity. Great blessings would flow to them. Two more things. This kingdom God promised would be forever. They'd live the high life. Happy days are here again. This is the stuff dreams are made of. And the promise was unconditional as a covenant God had made. God's power would fulfill the promise. All of this was tied to the coming of a future Messiah, a king. And so every time after King David died, when a future king would be crowned on coronation day, the people, based on Second Samuel 7, would say, Is this the one, the Messiah? Fast forward now to the person of Jesus. Jesus is the Word made flesh, the fulfillment and the embodiment of God's promise. When Gabriel, in Luke chapter 1, visited the Virgin Mary, he echoed many of these same themes in Second Samuel 7. I will give your son the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob, and this child's kingdom will have no end. And the Holy Spirit will impregnate you, so that the child born to you will be son of God. 
and no word that God promises is impossible. You hear all those same promises resonating and being lifted up for the people again in the birth of the child born to Mary. So Mary's faith response needs to be ours. God, let it happen to me just as you have promised. My response is a humility that is willing to serve in obedience and to trust the Lord. When Jesus was born in Luke chapter 2, it says that he was born of the house and lineage of David. It was Luke's way of saying, the Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. God is establishing his kingdom. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus was baptized and entered into public ministry, that the first words recorded by Jesus are, the kingdom of God is here. Yet, the people of Israel did not recognize Jesus as Messiah. He was a king that washed feet. He was one who hung out with sinners and people on the margins. He rejected their attempt to crown him as an earthly king. He meekly surrendered to his enemies. And ultimately, he was nailed to a cross and died. Well, the Messiah was not to enter into the power God promised by dying on a cross, was he? Jesus simply didn't fit the mold. He was a crucified Messiah. It was the ultimate oxymoron. Jesus was a scandal, a stumbling block. He was totally impossible to comprehend because kings do not die in order to gain the reign over the people of God. Yet, he was just the king we needed, not only for his time, but for all time. The cross was the cruelest form of execution during the Roman Empire. It was used primarily for the most dangerous of criminals and for slaves. The crucifixion was actually a deterrent. It was a form of torture and public humiliation. For the Jews, according to Deuteronomy 21, cursed is the one who hangs on the tree. Yet, the nugget of truth for us is that Jesus is just the king we needed because he became sin for us. And in the name of Jesus, our king, we might become the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ. That's why when you and I look at Jesus, we need to say, Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Messiah. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is my Lord. 
Because Jesus, as King, promised that all who believe on his name have the authority, the power to become the children of God. We belong to Jesus in an eternal kingdom. Secondly, Jesus is just the king we need because he always used his power to serve his people, even sacrificially in love. And we become the beneficiaries of Jesus as a servant king. Third, Jesus is my king because he is the deliverer who took the punishment for my sins and my failures. Jesus lifted the burden of all my wrong and guilt and shame from my shoulders. And when his blood spilled out as the pure and holy Son of God, we now have the promise that all our sins are forgiven. Fourth, Jesus is just the king we need because he makes peace between us and God. He reconciles us not only into an okay status with God, but into a relationship with love with the one who created us. Fifth, Jesus is just the king we need because he restores our soul. He heals all our brokenness and he gives us a new beginning into a new future. Sixth, Jesus is the one through whom every blessing in the heavenly places is granted to us in his name. And seventh, as it says in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. You remember how in Revelation 3, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone open the door, I will come in. Jesus now not only provides us a place in his kingdom and glory in eternity, but he makes our hearts his place to dwell, his home. Jesus is just the king I need because he gives to all who believe eternal life. And forever is not only the length of life, but Jesus gives us a quality of life that is perfect. There be no sorrow, no sickness, no pain, no more tears. But we, when we breathe our last in this world and awaken to the other side, open our eyes to gaze upon the glory of the face of Jesus Christ. So today I hope you'll say it with me. Jesus, you are my Messiah. You are my crucified King. You are my risen Lord. I will trust in you.
Lord God, we praise you for Jesus is our beautiful Savior. He is the promised King. Give our eyes the ability to see the truth that he is the one who was promised all along and that all of history is fulfilled in his life, death, and resurrection and that he is the one who will come again to receive God's people to eternity. Thank you for the peace that is ours through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to the Internet and Radio Ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message will help you remember Jesus is just the king you need forever and gives a quality of life that is perfect. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry. 
If this ministry helps serve your spiritual needs, we pray you will consider making a contribution to help pay for airtime. Financial gifts enable us to buy time on the Internet and radio stations across the world, so all may have the opportunity to hear the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. Send your donations to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Christian Crusaders publishes a quarterly newsletter called The Crusader. This publication contains a special article written by speakers Rev. Kramer and Rev. Lavig, as well as other interesting information concerning Christian Crusaders. To receive this special mailing, simply call us at 1-888-MY-FAITH or 1-888-693-2484. Audio and printed copies of today's message, as well as many recent messages, are available on our website. You can also find a link to make an online donation to this ministry. All gifts are secure and considered tax-deductible. Visit us today at christiancrusaders.org. We are happy you were able to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was Rev. Lee Lavig, pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Spencer, Iowa, and associate speaker for Christian Crusaders, now in its 82nd year of regular Sunday worship broadcasting.